Buckles, Trunks, and Titles presents to you Nicholas London and Q-Ball Carmichael. I think as hot as the NXT angle was, I think um, 
you're you're seeing a little bit of the um, like just WWE writing bring it down a bit and make it into like a generic sense. And I mean, and then <laughs> my other comment that I was gonna make was just. I was watching wrestling with my wife the other day, and she doesn't hate wrestling, but she certainly doesn't like it. And it was the final angle was like when they main evented with the Rusev Lashley angle, and she, and I was just sitting there thinking like, man, like if you really believe that the point of wrestling is like for one guy to like win a belt against another guy, like it's just so funny to be sitting here like watching this angle where someone's like, she's addicted to sex. And he won't take his wife to nice uh, restaurants. And, like, I'm coming for that United States championship belt. <laughs> you just sit there and you're like, I can't believe I watched this, but I love it. <laughs> didn't, they make, so, hey, didn't, didn't they make a reference to sending guys? Uh, one of the shows last week made a reference to sending guys down to NXT, which kind of if you say you're sending guys down to NXT, it almost makes it look like you're sending them to, like, the old uh, developmental leagues. Right. I bet a lot of these guys would love to be sent down to NXT at this point. You know they would. (laughs) They're probably begging to go. They're probably begging to go. You know, the way it used to be, Tom, is this is back in the day when I was in the sick of things, which we're going back 20-plus years. As you know, the, the big pay-per-views back then, there was a few of them, the Royal Rumble. They had, of course, WrestleMania, and they would have, uh, you know, the Survivor Series. But Vince would start planning in May after the WrestleMania was over who, who he wanted in position to be in the next WrestleMania in the main event. And it took a year to get that angle worked out to put him in there. But when he started rapid-firing pay-per-views, it almost seems like – and, of course, they replaced bookers with writers. It almost seemed like it's just like a shotgun approach. Let's throw something up there and see if it sticks. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about it. Uh, Q, you just hit it right on the head. You know, that is really how he did it. You know, the old stories of him and Patterson sitting around a pool booking the entire year. I mean, there was no month-to-month pay-per-views, and sometimes I think the big four really was the way to go because it did get people excited. People were looking forward to every one of those pay-per-views, and now it's so clustered. And like Tom said about, you know, every pay-per-view has a theme, like everything's a theme now. So Hell in the Cell and TLC and, and Money in the Bank and... Like, everything has something, and sometimes I think maybe they're trying to give every single person what they want, and maybe they should pull back on that. Well, and, and the other thing is, is, it's not even what we want. Like, like the, this is the definition. If, if, like, you had to draw up the exact time not to have this for Survivor Series and this kind of stuff. Like, they basically had a brand split a year ago that they totally crapped on, right? The wild card, there wasn't really a brand split. So they're trying to convince everyone this brand split is actually real. This is legitimately real. And within three weeks, you have rosters invading other rosters. You have Brock Lesnar apparently able to just quit SmackDown and go join Raw without any consequence. Like, it's just like, 
come on, like, follow your own rules. And so, like, would anyone have been upset if, if they said, this year's Survivor Series is going to be old school, traditional five on fives? No, everyone would have been psyched. They would have been like, cool, that's so fun. It's different. Like, and, and, and so, like, I think what they, 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 Anyway, so it's just, like, it's frustrating because they treat the fans like idiots. They treat the fans like we just forget everything, and, like, it makes it like this. Like, we're not ready as fans, if we're going to take the brand splits, like, seriously, to see all the shows invading each other two weeks after they ended the last brand split, which was a disaster. Well, I think you're exactly right, Thomas. And you know what? It's obviously not just you're not just a casual fan, you're a fan who understands the wrestling business, which I, I, I've always appreciated that with, with, with fans that, you know, kind of know what's going on and, and Vince decides he wants to feed you the big old McMahon craft sandwich every week and you sort of get tired of it because like you said, an evasion angle would have been great if it took six months to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it, in two weeks, it's just like, it's, it's almost like you cringe when you watch it because you're you're just waiting for it to happen way too soon. And it's it's like not only that, it's like it's I I don't wanna see Tommaso Ciampa come out to save Adam Cole and then watch them in a war games match three weeks. It's just like why? It's just what's the point? Like it's it's don't don't treat your fans like we're idiots. Like it's like it's it's such a it should be such a straightforward business, and yet like it is. It's like it's just gonna be. I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I. Like, what's the point? Why? Like war games is one of the best gimmicks you have. It's supposed to be a match where like you can't contain a feud. You have to have war games, and like they're running in saving each other, pretending like it's not, like, you don't need to have that happen. Just have Adam Cole come in, be a star. If you really need to do this, have him beat Seth Rollins, have him beat Brian. That establishes him. You don't need to end it with the classic, this is an invasion feud. Like, just, if you have to do this, then at least be not generic about it. It's just like, they're just, they seem to be doing the laziest thing possible every time. And what makes the least amount of sense is, like, they have my 9.99. I'm not canceling. I like wrestling. Like, I just do. Like, if I, if I didn't like wrestling, trust me, watching it over the last four to five years, I would have stopped watching it. Because <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. But, like, I like it. So you have my 9.99. And I think a lot of people feel like that. Like, you don't need to throw these crazy pay-per-views every month. Like, let guys take a month off and – don't run gimmicks every month. Like, so right, I don't know. Right. It's, it's no, and, you know, don't you're do- right. You're right, Tom. I agree. Uh, Tom, listen, first and foremost, I want to say thanks because having you call in gives us something to interact with you about and give to the fans. So do us a favor and, um, you know, pass this along, man. We, we really appreciate it. And would love for you to call in again. We have a guest coming on momentarily, so I, we, we both want to thank you, man. This is really cool of you to take time to call into the show like that. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. It's awesome. It's fun. All right, Good. buddy. Thanks, Thanks all, man. Bye. No, that was really cool. Um, so, 
like, yeah, Q, you know, that was really great for him to call in like that and, and kind of give his thoughts on the wrestling business. And it gives you and I a chance to kind of talk about the, the, um, today's wrestling. You know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about just today. We, we often look back. So this was great. Well, you know, fans, fans like Tom are so intelligent nowadays. They, they can read between the lines and, and see what's happening and what they're being given. And like you said, you already got my 995. Give me something that doesn't insult my intelligence and keeps me entertained and interested and show me a swerve and a curve here and there so I can't sit there and predict what's going to happen on my couch. And, and that's really, you know, the fans speaking out to the WWE and what they want to see. So, you know, hopefully that, that moves along up the ladder. Uh, but we do have a guest calling in here shortly. We're going to play um, Guess Who It Is. So when the call comes in, I'm going to answer it. Tell them to not give us your name. I'll have them give you a couple of his credentials. You tell me if you know who it is. Okay. Um, that works for me. So do you want to take a quick break now, and then we'll have him call in? Well, he's probably going to be calling in. But, yeah, let's take a little commercial break real quick. All right, one sec. Hey guys, I gotta tell you about this new product that Cubal and I just started using. It's called RedlineGoods.com. Q, I was on. I ordered a bunch of products from this site, man, and you weren't lying. Man, I'm telling you, you know that tuner car I got, that old Eclipse that I've been working at? I got the, it's called the flat side steering wheel. It's a steering wheel, and it's all hand-stitched, and it's the bottom side that are around is flat, and it's for, you know, tuner cars, and I got the matching boot for the shifter. It is handmade and hand-stitched Italian leather. Let me tell you something, dude. This thing looks sweet. The rest of the car, not so good. But the stick pull, the boot cover, fantastic. Well, I'm going to tell you, I got 1993 LeBaron, and my kids are so embarrassed when I drive this thing around. I went on this site you told me about. I used the promo code QBALL. Save 15%, and my kids love it. I got the coolest-looking shifter. I've got new pads on the brake and the gas. I mean, I have done this thing up. The outside still needs some work, man. This place is loaded with colors, and it's shipped worldwide. Like, you were not kidding. I mean, I am shocked. And you know what, Nick? Everything's hand-stitched and handmade in its own shop by him and his family. So, you know, it's, it's handcrafted Italian leather. It's amazing stuff. It's redlinegoods.com. Uh, the owner's name is Mike. He's a friend of ours. And if you just happen to mention promo code QBALL, you're going to save 15% on your entire order. So make sure you go there, folks, redlinegoods.com, all one word, redlinegoods.com, and check out their selection of really nice handmade Italian leather accoutrements for your vehicle and a lot of other cool products they have for cars. Well, there it is. It's redlinegoods.com. Uh, Q, I got the uh, I, I got everybody's on here. I got this call in, so uh, let's play your game. 
Let's do it. Welcome, Welcome to the show. To yeah, listen, we're not going to give away your name to my partner, Nick. We're going to make him guess who you are, okay? Sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm predicting he's going to figure it out in about a minute or less. Um, have you held any major championships? By that, I mean uh, besides the ones in local states and stuff, anyone's defended in multi-states? Yes, sir. And what were those titles? Uh, NWA North American Championship, NWA National Championship, NWA United States Tag Team Championship, and AIWF World Championship. Nick, you know who it is? I really think I have. I. Let me add I this. Think let me let me add this. Him and I have been in some pretty brutal wars against each other. What three? <laughs> it's, a, it's World War Three. I think we've done it four times, but we have World War Three. One time we actually wrestled because we had a uh, seminar and we wanted to show them how to do a, a tip for tap match. Huh. Get I know exactly exactly who it is. Who is it? It's Damian Wayne. Hey. Do I got Johnny Tall Money's won. He's won a vacation, all expense paid, excluding airfare to beautiful Maine. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's about a forty five minute drive for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Damian, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Oh, great, man. Yeah, doing good now that you're on. I appreciate that very much. Hey, no problem, man. I I enjoy doing things for anybody that likes to uh, support us guys and and the business. Uh, I'm game. So what's been going on lately with you? Once you fill fans in. Um, you kind of gave me a resume a little bit. I've lost track of the amount of regional titles that you've won. Once major NWA titles, AIWF, for people that don't know, they run in uh, 30 different countries. They've been around for about 40 years, and he was heavyweight champion for them too. So if you're not familiar with that, but the National Wrestling Alliance, when Bruce Stark owned it, and it was actually wrestling all over the United States and in Japan, um, Damien was about as high and as big a star as they had. No, I appreciate yeah, that, yeah. Oh, well, it's true, it's true man. Listen, we had shoot, five or six years ago, man, you were you were, you were were on top of the world tearing up. About ready to go Ooh. to Japan, but kind of had something happen with that. We won't go into that or anything, but that wasn't your fault. But you were on your way to Japan there for, for about a minute, and that, that kind of fell through, but not on your end, on somebody else's end, but... You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I know at least a couple times you were, you were, you were so lined up to get the NWA world title that the top echelon, the NWA said, look, this guy's beat everybody as anybody. He's at the top of his game. He's the best of the best. And everybody knows he's going to come in and win the title. So they threw a swerve, and they put the, when they were supposed to put the title on you in New Jersey, one time I know they switched it and put it on Cahagas, um, because everybody knew that you were the you were the one who hadn't been beaten was probably going to go over for the title. Yeah, yeah, you're correct, man. I uh, 
for uh, three months, I was uh, led to believe that was going to happen and uh, drive eight hours to New Jersey only to walk into the uh, building and get told the news. And I was like, okay, wow. I get uh, punished for uh, the the fans and, and whatnot uh, expecting or thinking I'm going to win. So I was promised a bunch of stuff, but you know how that is in this business. It just, it, it comes yeah, to the you know, you and I were promised uh, uh, a lot of stuff from the same guy that didn't come through. So we can't, we can't know how that goes. Nick, I'll, uh, Nick, I'll tell you a funny story about Damien and I. We uh, were at a show that the president of NWA was at, and and I had been able to, I I won't say convince, but I've been given the job to book talent, and we really had some top talent on these shows. We had a higher. 609 paid, and Damien and I were working an event with about 450 in there. And I remember the match before we went out, we're in the main event, and the locker room was full. Damien looks over at me, he goes, We need to talk about anything. I'm going to have a talk out there. And everybody's head turned, like, What? <laughs> you guys are in the main huh. event? You're going to talk out there? <laughs> I and love then, that. I know. And that, well, we never talked about anything. We didn't need to. We're on the same page with everything. And uh, well, I remember the president of the NWA. Standing there when I came back to the curtain, and this was the kiss of death for me having the book for this promoter because there was about 450 there. And when the match before us was on, you saw everybody on cell phones and talking to each other and looking away. And I looked over at Damien and I said, They won't be doing that very long. And by the end of our match and the finish of our match, everybody was standing up trying to look around the person in front of them because they were standing up at the finish of the match. Came back through the curtain, and the president of the NWA at the time looked at me and Damien. He goes, "Boy, it went from 450 to about 900 out there when you guys went out there." And I saw the promoter. I saw the promoter look at me, and I said, "I just lost the book." <laughs> and I could tell you the end of the site because he was not going to let me get those accolades for that promotion. So, <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a gift to death to, to both oh, of you man. because. You know what? The way I see it is that everyone seems to think that unless you are at the show, unless you are at the WWE, then you're you're not good enough. And that couldn't be further from the truth because some of the greatest wrestlers in the world today are traveling the world over. In the independent scene, guys like Damian Wayne, guys like you, who have taken time to discuss with the younger talent, hey, pay attention, watch what we're doing. You know, if you want to learn this business, kid, you got you, you, you to be willing to learn because if you're in the business 30 years, you still haven't learned everything. There's always something new to learn. And... Damien, I've actually followed you. Uh, I've had conversations with you uh, a long time ago on another show, and I think the world of you, and I always have, and I even mentioned to Q uh, a a while back when we first discussed this show that I was hoping that you would be on at some point, and to have you here now is awesome for me, and I'll say it first and foremost that I appreciate you, and I appreciate the things you've done in the ring, my friend. I appreciate that, man, very much. Uh, you know, the thing that a lot of people 
and a lot of guys in the business tend to forget is, especially with WWE, is uh, talent is like last on the totem pole. They they could care less if you can actually actually work or not. If they look and see that they can make money off of you, they'll think they think they can teach you how to work. So you know, guys think that you know, like you said, just because you ain't in WWE, don't mean you ain't one of the best in the business. And there's a lot of guys that that a lot of people don't even know about that I see personally, and I'm like, man, this guy's better than. 98% of the people I see everywhere I go, you know, so there's gems everywhere that people just don't know about, and just because they ain't in WWE don't mean that they ain't, you know, you, know, you, you hit that one straight on the head, so. And then you got guys like me, I, I almost pretty much do, as soon as I broke into business, I won't get the contract, I was 30 years old, I, you know, I, I didn't, and so, of course, I didn't even have a name until I was probably 36, 37, 38 years old. And then that's basically when I was getting my shots at Ring of Honor and WWE and all that. So, you know, I knew I won't get the contracts, but hey, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to stop giving, getting what they're giving me. So I'm going to take those chances and, you know, so just because I, I ain't got the contract don't mean I ain't making a little bit of money and there's plenty of guys making a lot more money than I am and they ain't got a contract. So, you know, there's talent everywhere. This is a great time in the business. Absolutely. And, you know, I've said it before, and I've got that little meme I put up in the, in, with, in, with the wrestling ring in the background, and I said, you know, they're, they're just, there's a lot of talented guys on TV making a lot of money. And there's a lot of guys on TV make a lot of money who aren't very talented. And there's a lot of very talented guys who aren't on TV and aren't making a lot of money. You know, exactly. that, that, those, two, those two aren't even closely related. And, you know, it, 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 the problem is with us, Damien, is we were, we were born a generation or two too late. Because, you know, Nick yeah. Bach was, was in his prime in his early 40s. I mean, that's when he was AWA heavyweight champion. That was when he was selling houses and making all the money. And he used to be the old the old model was by the time a guy's about 35, he gets in the business when he's 21, 22. By the time he's about 35, 36, and back in those days, you know, guys were working 100, 150, 200 nights a year. You know, he's finally figured out how to get over. He's finally figured out how to how to get his gimmick right down to the science. And he can have a good match with anybody he goes out there with. And, you know, that, that was the thing that, back in the day they looked for but then what happened was is writers replaced bookers and writers didn't care a damn about signing a wrestler they'd rather sign a guy that speaks three languages and played soccer than a guy who spent the last 15 years honing his craft you know yeah, that's, you're right. that's the reality of today's business you know I was talking with my friend Steve Perino and he said you know he said uh uh, of all the guys at the performance center, 100, I think 135 or something, he said, you know, 40 of them, 40 or 45 of them speak two different languages. And, you know, that's the stuff they look for. I can barely speak English. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they, they, they look for everything but wrestling. Yeah, they do. They look for everything but wrestling. They pick, and, you know, the other thing, too, is if you take a guy that's never wrestled before, you can brainwash him to your philosophy of of what wrestling is and, and what you want them to do. And, you know, they, they take him down there and they teach him the yes or no, sir mentality. And, you know, I don't know how many times, I, I know one time when you, 
I was wrapping a match with you, Chance Prophet, and Cahagas. And the promoter said it was going to be a three-way DQ or something like that. I remember looking at the promoter and said that at the top of my lungs in the locker room, saying that is the stupidest finish in the history of the history of pro wrestling finishes. <laughs> I said, that's just not going to cut it. <laughs> so, you know, DQ. Yeah, so all of us decided, all of us decided the, 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 the three guys that were wrestling, and I just sat back and said, whatever. And those three guys decided who was going to go over and why and made it make sense. And and because Damon and I had heat, we, we did it a little tricky with me being the ref. But, you know, talk about funny things in the match. There was a guy whose name I won't mention who thought he was a lot bigger wrestler than he was, and he actually had a name tag, one of those ones that you can write your name on. He goes on his shirt, and it has fallen off in the ring. So I put it on while I was wrapping the match. And I kept, up, kept going up to the guys and going, are you reading this name on this shirt? It wasn't even my name. It was some guy that was in there. She <laughs> <laughs> was like, shut up. I'm trying to keep a straight face. And it was just like, Haggis tells me afterwards, he goes, man, I almost died when I saw that name tag on your shirt. I said, ah, you know, we, but we always had fun doing it. I think that's the difference, too, you know, is, I spent a little time with WWE a long time ago when the ratings were down and they were behind. And, you know, I can tell you it wasn't a lot of fun. And, and you know, in this business, when it when it becomes your main number one job, if you're on the road 325 days a year and you got a family, it really does take a lot of the fun out of the wrestling business for you. And I know some people will say they're in it for the money, but, you know, the money's good and it's great and all other things. Well, you better be in it because you love it, and, and money second or third, and you know it's just we. One thing we always managed to do was was have fun. I remember one night, the first time Damien and I wrestled each other, and I was sitting on the couch for a year, and Damien talked talked me into getting off the couch, and he was he was down around Tidewater, and I had broke in most of the guys in the Tidewater area from from Phil Brown to you know a bunch of guys. And so they had told him about me, and he met me, and, and, and I was still wrestling then. And a couple of years later, I decided to set out. I never said I was leaving. I just quit taking bookies for a while. And Damon's like, no, nah, come on, man. Get back in and wrestle me, and we'll have fun. And so we wrestled each other on the show, and it was kind of funny because we were both bleeding pretty good. And right before we go in the match, do you remember what the guy on the ring said right before we went in, Damien? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no bleeding in my ring. No <laughs> bleeding in my ring. Oh, so God. This match is built as the first blood match, and he's like, don't bleed in my ring. So it's like, all right, so well, it's got to be a no DQ first blood match then. And uh, I mean, we we talked about this on Facebook all over about a bloodbath and da 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 da. And I mean, for months, and no mention of. Nothing about not not wanting any blood in his ring. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, we showed him, didn't we, Q? <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. It was, it was funny that after, after it was all over, this guy was cleaning up, and he goes, man, I've never seen this much blood without somebody being seriously hurt. And I said, well, you, do you clean up after a lot of wrestling shows? He goes, not really. I go, well, where's your comparison point? He goes, my comparison point is I'm a full-time EMT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> and there was oh, there was literally puddles of blood and blood smeared from one side of that building to the other. Man. It was <laughs> it was bad. He goes, I'm a full time EMT. I'm like, oh, see your point. And that's oh, that's night I told Damien I was going to show him how wrestlers used to make rock stars jealous. I remember me and him and my wife went to this bar get something to eat about 11 o'clock and we decided to have some drinks. And we get there at 11 o'clock and the bar closes the bar closes at 2 o'clock. So we've been there less than three hours and I still worry I'll just $315 without a tip. Oh, yeah. I introduced Damien to the fire, the fire art of shot after shot of vodka. I think I think I drank uh, two years worth of liquor that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we drank pretty we drank pretty hard that night. And then some guy some guy bumped into my wife and I said, and he didn't say he was sorry. And I said, oh no, this is not gonna happen. <laughs> Damien goes, oh please don't get in a fight. I'm like, not follow me. I went over. I said, listen, I'm gonna give you your choice. You got a lady over there. My wife, you bumped into it. So you got one of two choices. You can go over and apologize to her and hope she forgives you, or I can wait outside for you and I can kick your ass and that whole table of friends you got, I'll kick their ass too. So by the time we get back to the table, the guy's like, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That will love it. White as a guess, and it won't from the alcohol. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't from the alcohol. I didn't need alcohol for that one. <laughs> but oh man, yeah, we had some we had some good times, man. I'm telling you, wrestling has been great to me. I'll tell you that it has been great to me in every way possible. Yeah, man, oh, it gives awesome. us it gives us some really good friends. Yeah. Whenever I do a camp, I always have Damien come down and do one with me. We'll do a three day camp with these kids, and you know, I I I remember the, yeah. the first camp. Yeah. The How first about camp? The, how about the last camp you're talking about, how we didn't have to talk about anything? I uh, <clears throat> I came in Saturday. I missed the Friday night part of the camp. I came in Saturday morning. I got there maybe 15 minutes before the camp was starting Saturday morning. So I get there. We run the camp all day. We uh, we take a break in between, and then we had a, what, what, about an hour, hour and a half or so drive to where we were having the actual show at that night. And me and Q's in the main event, and I'm exhausted because my drive is from Nashville, basically. So I'm about, I was about 10 hours away. So I drove, you know, 10 hours in. So I was exhausted, and I'm sitting in this really pretty damn comfy chair to be in a indie locker room. So I was sitting in it really comfy, and I passed out, basically. And I come to, and Q's sitting in a chair right across from me with, like, three or four of the students that was at the seminar, and they're all kind of standing there looking at me, and Q's just laughing. And I kind of come to, and Q says, yeah, they're kind of worried about you sitting over there sleeping don't see us talking about our match. They, they, they're kind of wondering about that. And I, was, <laughs> I, actually, I just kind of chuckled on that, and I was like, well, you know, you you get to the point to where you like y'all were talking about having fun, you know, when they figure out how this business out and how fun it can be, you ain't got to sit there and talk about crap so much. So they yeah, got they were much kick out of that. They were freaking out. They were like, aren't you going to talk about your match? I said, probably not. I, I mean, if he's still sleeping, I'll wake him up right before we go out. But that's it. He's already dressed. So they're like, and these guys are like the ones that are in the back where 
like they'll actually go through the moves. Like they'll actually grab a guy's arm and whip Ben and say, I'll do this and this and this. And Damien and I are like, yeah, we don't do any of that. <laughs> I'm not going to waste a perfectly good Irish whip into the rope in the back. Well, I, you know, I tell young I tell young guys, I was like, you know, it's not anything that's going to happen overnight, but, you know, I tell them straight up, it, it, took, it probably took me eight to nine years to get to the point, but I feel comfortable enough in my abilities that I can get in the ring with any person on the face of this earth, put, put it that way, and this is not trying to be conceited, but any wrestler in Japan... Australia, Europe, anywhere, and meet down for five minutes or less and not have time to talk about nothing and just go out there and, and, and have a match. And when you can get to that point and your abilities, the man, this business is so much fun. I, I mean, I can go in there with guys and, and me, you know, and to when you can go in the ring and everything is natural and you can actually have a conversation with the guy in the ring about the girl that big sits in the front row and over worrying about what your next spot is. This business is so much fun. God, this business is so fun. And we try to tell the kids that all the time when that light bulb moment comes on and all of a sudden, ping, that's when the Brussels business really quits being work and it starts being all the fun that, you know, you heard other people say that it was years ago. And I remember I was at a show not too long ago, and the kid goes, oh, I, had a, I had a bad match. I said, kid, it's okay. I had a bad match in 96, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Don't worry, I had a my, bad one in 96. <laughs> my second match ever with Pierce for the NWA world title, we went 60 minutes, and we didn't talk about nothing. And the only thing we knew was the dusty finish with the power driver at the end, me hitting him with the power driver, and – they're counting down four, three, and I make the cover, and they, they rang the bell to where right in between the one and the two for the time limit draw, but the ref still made the, you know, three count, and, you sure. know, everybody thought I won the bell. That's it. We didn't even know how I was going to hit the power driver, and we wrestled for 60 minutes and had the crowd on the edge of their feet. And that's the great thing. You know, I remember us wrestling one time, and somebody came up to me and said, gee, both you guys are bald. You don't have any hair. And I didn't even see you talk. I'm like, we didn't. Yeah, you didn't, you, talk to to... you didn't talk before the match either. I said, no, we didn't. He goes, but you didn't talk in the match. I said, I think I said one word today. And he's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain it to you except for go out there and get like a thousand matches under your belt, and then you're going to get it. Until you get to, the, until you get to that point, and I always say, you know, the – the paid 300. When you get the paid 300 matches under your belt, you're probably going to start to really get it. And when you get a few more under your belt, it's going to it's just going to click one of these days, and you're going to realize how guys like Charlie and Flair and all those guys years ago never really. I mean, a lot of times, you know, like the first time I ever met Jason Knight was in the middle of a ring. The heel locker room was on one side, Bayface is on the other. Um, we never see each other coming in, never see each other came in at, came out. I ran straight in and took a super kick, boom, and, and you know, he comes over and he goes, Jason Knight, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, because <laughs> I'm laying there on the ground selling 
I'm like, yeah, I'm nice. And, you know, it's just one of those things where that's just the norm. That's the way it was. It's just one of those things where once once that light bulb moment comes in, it just, the whole business just becomes so much fun. But it's like driving up and down the road. And, you know, even the young guys then when they were, they'd be, you know, starving for knowledge. And you would hear them, you know, the stories of, Oh, you're going to tell me this again? And, you know, and, well, yeah, and I'm going to keep telling you until it clicks, until something clicks inside. And, you know, guys, you hear the old stories of, uh, you know, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Well, I got three things to figure out where to put them. And, like, just things like that. Where, you know, not, I always say that the business today, everyone wants to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. But, in my eyes, it, it made for better TV. Put them in the ring. Let them learn the old way, the way guys, like you said, you know, back, back in the 70s and the 80s, could, could you imagine the boys in the box saying, yeah, I got to go talk to Rick Flair. We got to go through our match six times. We got a 60-minute match. We got to choreograph the entire thing from start to finish. Imagine that. It would never work. No, no, it wouldn't. I tell guys, I would, for, I would forget it anyway. I would forget it. You know, I, I tell guys, I tell guys now that I, I, I don't have a move set. I don't have no shit to get in. My shit to get in is somebody in the crowd getting involved in my match. That's my main priority is getting the crowd some way, some shape, form involved in my match. And, um. Me and Robert Gibson was talking Friday night, and he was mentioning the same thing. And I said, exactly, I tell him that you're in here or you're on the road or you're sitting at your house thinking of the next cool move or spot you can do, and I'm on the road, I'm sitting at my house, sitting at work or whatnot, thinking of what can I do to get somebody involved in my match, some fan Something like that, because I know me as a kid, when I was growing up in the 80s, if I yelled, Rick Blair, you suck, and if he even turned and looked at me, I looked at my friends and said, he heard me, he heard me, he looked at me, he saw me. If that, if that's the way people are today, then me doing a flip ain't going to do that to that person. They want to be involved in the match, so that's Absolutely. my main priority right there. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's the thing is, is you know, when we talk about it and we, we say about, you know, going out, include the fans, because at the end of the day, if you go out there and they're sitting on their ass and they're not reacting, then you may go out and you may start at nine. You may try to get them fired up. But they may already be fired up and you want to bring them down a level before you bring them back up. Like, people don't get that. Nobody pays attention to the crowd. You know, guys like you do because you get it. You understand it. You want the crowd involved because, let's face it, when you come back to that town in, in a month or two or, or next week, you want that crowd to come back and you want them to feel like they're involved and like they are getting under your skin. Exactly. It's like I, I posted it on Facebook because somebody took a, a great picture of me talking to the little girl at the end of the show. But I was in Arkansas, and a little girl was in the front row. She was probably seven, eight, 
somewhere like that, years old, and um, she, I was wrestling second, and the, I was babyface, and I uh, watched the heel go out, and I could see her really excited over there. So when I came out, I went over there towards her, and she was really excited, and I looked up at him, and I was like, do you want me to beat him up for you? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. She had one of them little uh, plastic things with has like the four or five little plastic hands. You know, we shake it, it smacks all the hands together. So I got a high five from her. I asked her for a high five, and she smacked me with that thing. And you know, so we made the connection already right there. So yep. we get in, and um, he's still yelling at her. And I say, don't talk to her like that, and this and that, and blah blah blah. We lock up and. I do the whole duck turn and I chop him and he's selling it and I said that's for her right there that's that one right there was for her and you got some more coming you know type stuff. So I do a spot as a heel where I end up on the floor in front of some he uh, kids or whatever or somebody that I've already got heat with or I'm talking smack to and I'll go and top the baby or top the baby face. I'll turn to those people while the baby face sails up to the post, and I'll be like, all right, now this one's for you or something like that. Turn, and they, they move, so I tap the post, and I tell them, take my hand now, go to those people, tell them to give me high five. You hold my hand out to them and tell them to give me five. So, you know, smack my hand, smack my hand. So we did it reverse. He did it. I grabbed his hand, took it to the little girl, and she smacked the hell out of her, her little plastic thing, man, just smacking his hand. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> so uh, at the end of the night, I come out afterwards, and she's right there and her um, her dad, and she comes up to me, and she goes, thank you for beating up that bad guy for me. And I was like, well, you're welcome, little darling. And she says, can she take a picture? I said, of course. And I take a picture with her, and I, after that, he comes up, and he's like, this is the first time she's ever been there. Anything like this. Anything. And I was like, oh, wow, really? So, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, it's the first time she's ever been to press, professional wrestling in, you know, any shape, way, or form. And I made her night by getting involved in the match, showing her attention, doing this and that. That's going to make her want to come back now. You know what I'm saying? And, and you just don't know. Really you know you never know that, you know, you know, you just because they're there, these people, you don't know if these people come to every show possible within an hour radius of their house, or this is the first time they've ever been. You never know. I couldn't agree more with that. And you know what? The thing is, that kid, and she's all grown up, she may look back and say, I still remember the first time I went to a wrestling event and I seen Damien Wayne. But I, you know, those things are so important, and people don't think they are. Maybe, maybe they do, but they don't show it like they used to, or they don't show it enough. That's so important. Real, and and even, excuse me, even if it's not my name, you know, who says not? You know, fifty years from now, her grandkids, she has grandkids, and they're they they they're watching wrestling or like wrestling or hey, grandma. I like wrestling, but like, you know, one time when I was blah, blah, years old, my very first wrestling show, this wrestler 
they're just blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just any positivity that we can give to this business and and whatnot, the better. You know, it gets enough bad rap. No fans. Um, I don't know if you guys got the uh, picture I just sent both of you, but it's my 13 year old daughter when she was six in Damien's arms. She's Damien's always been her favorite wrestler, even though I don't get it every time I see him, he beats the tar out of me. But <laughs> oh, Abby sure does love him. That's my little heel. That is too, man. She loves you. She said the other day, I miss Damien. I said, I'll get him down for a camp soon, man. Yeah. She uh she uh started following me on Instagram a couple of weeks ago and said that you need to do these you need to come here and you need to da 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 da. da. <laughs> yeah, Aww. she she loves she loves you, man. Hey, listen, man, we'll let you get off here. Thanks for joining us, CW. I appreciate it, man. The last hey, my pleasure. I, I wanted to surprise Nick with a guest because we had yeah, one, but not- they uh I don't know what happened yeah. to Nick's guest. They they bailed yeah. on Nick. They never bail on me. Yeah, man, I'll talk to you soon. I love you. I'll give you a call this week. All right, love you guys. Thank you. Take care. Yo, man, that was really cool, Q. That that was awesome of you, man. Thank you. Yeah, man, no problem. uh, You made my night. You made my night. I'm telling you, man, he's such a good dude. So talented. You know. It's uh, it's it, it's always bothered me. There's guys like Wise Guy Jimmy Cicero and Damian Wayne who went around their careers without having contracts, and now Damian got in at thirty. But you know, Damian is still to this day an incredible physical specimen. I guess he's he in top shape, man, and you know he can get in there with anybody and make them look good. And it's it's kind of the story of when you know Booker's when Booker got replaced by Ryder. You know, the business went in the toilet. And at least, you know, back in my day, you had a guy like Cornette up there who would book you. You know, if you liked you and you were GC, he'd book you on all the East Coast shows you could take and, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, but it's just changed so much. But, you know, it's, it's like anything else. It's going to change. Things are going to change. Everything, Everything's morphed from what it was, you know, 20 years ago. So, it's it's going to continue to evolve and continue to change. You know, it's still wrestling, and at its heart and soul, it's still wrestling. It always will be so. As long as it's wrestling, I'm still going to be around. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's cool with me, but listen, so we're going to take a little sidebar here. Um, intro Cave, guys. Intro Cave.com. I'm encouraging you guys to go check this out, okay? A lot of guys spend hours, some spend days making these intro videos for their shows, for their business, for their own personal website. Guys, do I got a deal for you? These guys have already prepared your video. All you have to do is put the information you want, and it gets put into the video. And you can get this stuff in 1080p. You can get it in 720. You can get this stuff any way you want it. And right now, Triple T Radio is offering you guys a chance to go there, introcave.com, click, get what you want, go down to the promo code and put in Triple T Radio, all one word, Triple 
T Radio, and you will save thirty percent off your next order. This is introcave.com. Q, you've seen it. I sent you the first video I did. I mean, saving thirty percent off. What a deal! It's unbelievable. I mean, I was shocked. I'm like, okay, let me see how this is gonna work. And I made a video, and I was like, wow, this thing is friggin' incredible. I mean, it really is. If you want it, if you want your own custom intro video for anything, it doesn't matter if it's for a wedding, a party, bachelor party, bachelorette party. If it's for wrestling, I mean, there's so many applications to it. If you just want to have a cool video, um, this is the place to go, man. They really, I don't know how they do it. I don't I guess it's the software, proprietary software they have, but they, they can make anybody look amazing. I mean, it's just crazy. I love it. I think, I think it's unbelievable, Q. It is introcave.com, guys. Go there, put in the promo code, Triple T Radio, save 30% off your next order. I promise you won't be disappointed. You, Jamie Wayne, just a stellar, stellar human being. I can't thank you enough for bringing him on the show tonight, man. Well, I think he was a good send-off before we go and and spend a month with uh, some Canadian wrestlers, especially guys from up to Maritime. You know, I'm as a as a sort of a wrestling aficionado. I'm the kind of guy that that really is into those sort of different places people wrestled in. I'm sort of a I won't call me a historian of Stampede wrestling, but I, I know an awful lot about it. And any Canadian wrestling has always been a big fan of, and a lot of talents come out of there over the years, so. I'm looking forward to the shows coming up in the month of November. I think we're going to have some some great shows. And uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about sort of a different conspiracy theory this week. I think you're going to find it pretty interesting. But maybe we should take a quick break before we go into it. All right, Q. We're going to take a quick break, guys. When we come back, we're going to talk conspiracy theories. Hey, this is Lester Spade. Some of you may know me as your favorite Super Bowl commercial, office linebacker, the original Triple T, Terry Tate. And I'm here to tell you to keep it locked right here on Q-Ball, Carl Michaels' radio show, Triple T radio show. I don't know why he's got Triple T radio show when I'm Triple T, but I'm going to deal with him later. Keep it locked right here. Don't go nowhere else I'm going to give him the hot tag and he's going to put the boots to you. Pro Wrestling Universe It's Time once again for turnbuckles, trunks, and titles. You know, I don't know if this is a bad thing, but I uh I absolutely love terrible Terry. <laughs> Did you watch it? It's great, right? Oh, I loved it, man. Loved it, loved it. Um yeah. again. Yeah, 
Terrible Terry Tate office linebacker. If you haven't seen it, you gotta check it out. That's my buddy Lester. We used to wrestle together years ago when he was brought to the Voodoo Man. And of course I was still good old Cuba Carmichael. But yeah, he's a friend from back in the day. He went to Hollywood. Uh, played in any given Sunday. Uh, my dad's a soccer mom. Uh, Triple T, Terry Tate, office linebacker. Big Super Bowl commercial. Just been in a lot of stuff. A lot of movies. A lot of movies. So moving right on, let's go right into my conspiracy theory. Have you ever heard of the show The Simpsons? The Simpsons? The Simpsons. Well, absolutely. I've been watching them since I was eight years old. Well, that explains an awful lot. I've never watched an episode. But anyway, anyway, I want to give you some interesting comparisons. Um, In an episode from season two, it was episode four. Bart goes fishing. He catches a three-eyed fish named Blinky in a river that was by a power plant, which makes local headlines. A decade later, a three-eyed fish was discovered in a reservoir in Argentina. Strangely enough, the reservoir itself was fed by water from a nuclear power plant. The censorship of Michelangelo's David. Season 2, Episode 9, an episode from 1990 titled Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, showed Springfield protesting... Michelangelo's statue of David for being exhibited at the local museum, calling the artwork obscene for its nudity. The satire of censorship came true in 2016 when Russian campaigners voted on whether to close the copy of the Renaissance statue that had been set up in St. Petersburg, and they closed it exactly as in the symptoms. Letters from the Beatles, Season 2, Episode 18. In 1991, an episode of The Simpsons saw the Beatles' Ringo Starr diligently answering fan mail that had been written decades ago. Ironically, in September 2013, 12 years later, two Beatles fans from Essex, England, received a reply from Paul McCartney to a letter and recording they had sent to the band 50 years ago. The recording was sent to London Theater. The band was due to play there, but late the show was canceled. And later, later years later, it was found in the trunk of a car by a historian. In 2013, BBC's The One Show reunited the pair with a letter. Not really sure what just happened there. I just lost Q. It's okay. We're going to call him back. And that's what we fail. That's okay, though, because Q all about this with the Simpsons, so don't worry because I'm going to get him back on the phone and I'm not letting him get away with this back up as we try here kind of weird man 
was weird. Now, listen, there's 20 seconds left. You got me completely interested, so keep going, please. Uh, Siegfried and Roy, the tiger attack for the uh, Siegfried got attacked by the tiger. Season 5, episode 10, and this is shot back in 1993. Um, Siegfried and Roy came to, to Springfield, and, and all I learned to stop worrying, love Legal's gambling. During the episode, the magicians are viciously mauled by a trained white tiger while performing in a casino. In 2003, Roy of Roy was actually attacked during a live performance by one of the white tigers. Horse Meat Scandal, Season 5, Episode 19. In 1994, Lunch Lady Doris used assorted horse parts to make lunch for students at Springfield Elementary. However, nine years later, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland found horse DNA in over one-third of the beef burger samples from supermarkets and ready meals. Huh. Here's a good one. Autocorrect. Season 6, Episode 8. Now, this is from 1994. School, school bullies Kenny and Dolph typed a memo to beat up Martin on a Newton device in an episode of The Simpsons. Like I said, of aired 94. The memo gets quickly translated to eat up Martha. In a foreshadowing autocorrection frustration, the Simpsons were lampooning Apple's underwhelming Newton, the iPhone's ancient ancestor that had just been released, including shoddy handwriting recognition, according to Fast Company. So years before there was autocorrect, like 15 years before autocorrect came out, Here's a really good one, Smart Watches, Season 6, Episode 19. This goes back to 1995, nearly 20 years before the Apple Watch was released. In that episode of The Simpsons, it shows Homer's boss talking on a smart watch to somebody else who had a smart watch. 20 years before it was even invented. I mean, is there time travel or what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. This will blow you away. The discovery of the Higgs-Boson equation at season eight, episode one. It's a 1998 episode called The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace. Homer decides to become an inventor and is shown in front of a blackboard doing an equation. According to Simon Singh, the author of The Simpsons and Their Mathematical Secrets and featured in The Business Insider, the equation predicts the mass of the Higgs-Boson particle. It's also called the God Formula. It was first predicted in 1964 by Professor Peter Higgs and five other physicists. But it wasn't until 2013 that they discovered that it was the truth. Yet in 1998, Homer writes the exact equation on the board in the school on the chalkboard. Really? How is that even possible? He wrote an equation that wasn't discovered. It was theorized in 64. But it wasn't discovered until 2013. Yet 1998, he writes the exact formula, the solution to the Higgs boson theory or the God theory. Wow. <laughs> and now the Ebola outbreak, season nine, episode three. Some people maintain the Simpsons predicted the 2014 outbreak of Ebola 17 years before it happened in a scene from the episode called Lisa's Sack. 
Marge suggests a sick Bart read a book titled Curious George and the Ebola Virus. The virus wasn't particularly widespread in the 90s, but years later it was the top of the news series. Ebola was first discovered in 76. The latest outbreak has been worse yet. It killed 254 people in the Dominican Republic. And in 1995, it killed 224 in Uganda. So, I mean, it, it is something that it was, again, predicted 20 years before it happened. Season mm. 10 is called Disney by 20th Century Fox. In season oh, 10, episode 5, which was filmed in 1998, when you wish, when you dish upon a star, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer produce a script Homer pitches. The script is being produced at 20th Century Fox. And the sign in the front of the studio headquarters reveals that it is a division of Walt Disney. However, they were not associated until 18 years later when on December 14, 2017, Disney purchased 21 Century Fox. What? How is that even even possible? How is that even possible? (laughs) That's crazy. This This was written in 98. And the purchase didn't happen until 19 years later in 2017. I mean, it's crazy. Disney actually bought 21st Century Fox, and the Disney sign hangs in the corner of the Fox studio and vice versa. Here's one that'll kill you. The invention of the tobacco plant. In season 11, episode 5, in 1999, Homer uses nuclear energy to create a hybrid of a tomato and a tobacco plant called Tomaco. This inspired U.S. Simpsons fan Rob Bauer to create his own plant. And in 2003, four years later, he grafted together a tobacco root and a tomato stem to make the first Tomaco plant. Writers for the Simpsons were so impressed, they invited Bauer and his family to their offices and ate the Tomaco fruit themselves. Really? Here's another good one. <laughs> yeah. 14, Faulty Voting Machines, Season 20, Episode 4. In 2008, the Simpsons showed Homer trying to vote for Barack Obama in the U.S. general election, but a faulty machine changed his vote. Four years later, a voting machine in Pennsylvania had to be removed after it kept changing people's votes for Barack Obama to one of his Republican rivals, Mitt Romney. Oh, oh here's, a, here's, a great, here's a great one. The U.S. beat Sweden in curling at the Olympic Games, season 21, episode 12. In one of the biggest upsets of the 2018 Winter Games, the U.S. curling team won gold over the favorite Sweden. The historical win was predicted eight years earlier in a 2010 episode of The Simpsons called Boy Meets Curl. In the episode, Marge and Homer compete in curling at the Vancouver Olympics and beat Sweden. In real life, the U.S. men's Olympic curling team won a gold medal after defeating Sweden, even though they were behind, which is exactly how it played out in the Simpsons. The victory is, then sent, is the second curling medal ever for the United States, not including Marge and Homer. <laughs> wow. It goes on. Nobel Prize winner, season 22, episode one. MIT professor Beck Holstrom won the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2016, six years after he was bet on 
to win the Nobel Prize on the Simpsons. What? Holson's name appeared on a betting scorecard when Martin Lisa, Dated Bates, and Milhouse bet a Nobel Prize winner. At the time, he was not even in contention for a Nobel Prize. Wow, holy. Oh, it gets better. Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime show. In season 23, episode 12, 22, sorry. In 2012, Lady Gaga performed for the town of Springfield, hanging in midair. Five years later, she flew off the Houston NRG Stadium roof in real life to perform her Super Bowl halftime show. So they predicted that, Whoa. too. Yeah. And they it's, didn't it's, know it's, that. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it was, there was no clue. There was no clue to any of this stuff, especially the iPhone with autocorrect versus the new 20 years, 20-some years before the iPhone even came out. I mean, it's it's funny because these are ironic coincidences over a period of 27 years of things that happened in the show that later actually happened in real life. So once again, we go back to the conspiracy theory we had on time travel. Does someone as a writer or producer director on The Simpsons have enough money to go back in time or forward in time to see what's happening, go back in time, write it into the script, and then actually wait for it to come true. You got to say to yourself, there's 21 of these coincidences over a period of 27 years in a show that actually happened. And when you get home or writing, you know, the, the God theory on the board, and 14 years later when it's finally written for real, it's the exact same equation a cartoon character wrote on a board. That's I mean, how does that happen? How does all that stuff happen? I mean, is it? you would think one or two or three would be sheer coincidence, right? But you got well, 21 yeah. different ones or over course of 27 years. Is it coincidence, Nick, or does it relate back to the conspiracy theory that we had on the possibility of time travel being available to rich or people of high affluent nature? Is that a possibility? you got to ask yourself, do these two things possibly correlate, or is it just random coincidence? Because that's like somebody it's that's like somebody playing a lottery every week, a Simpsons brand once a week for twenty seven years and winning the lottery twenty one times in twenty seven years for the mega prize. It's not possible. You would think somebody rigged the game or fixed the game or something. Well, well this, yeah. I mean did did somebody go forward in time, go back in time, is somebody traveling in between, is somebody writing this stuff? I mean I don't know. I'm completely baffled, and I will say it's that three, when you, when you say about like you get maybe two or three of them kind of being on key, but not that yeah. many. Like that's just ridiculous. That's, that's twenty one and twenty seven years. It's, yeah, there's something up. There's something up with that. And you know, hopefully the Clintons aren't involved, or we'll both end up dead by next week. Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, I'll see you on the other side, brother. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> hey, great show, man. 
Had a good time. I hope people you listen to that tonight, too. We'll catch up on it. I did, too, my man. And I look forward to next week. We got Adam Kraft on the show, a maritime wrestler. I can't wait to talk to you, and I can't wait for you and him to chat about business. Sounds good, man. Talk to you. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye.